Welcome to Connecting with Film Bonding Over the Big Screen. This week, everything, everywhere, all at once. Welcome to Connecting with Film Bonding Over the Big Screen, a podcast where we talk about movies and how you can talk about them and how we feel about them. This week we're talking about Everything Everywhere All at Once, a movie that I adore, um, about a middle-aged Chinese immigrant who is swept up into an insane adventure in which she alone can save existence by exploring other universes and connecting with the lives she could have led. Um, that's the IMDb description. You could also say it's a woman having a midlife crisis um, that uh, kind of blows up from there into a very fantastical uh, story all about family. Uh, with me today is myself, Derek, a screenwriter, director, uh, Paul, director. Howdy. Screenwriter, Mel. Hello. And film enthusiast, connoisseur, and lover, Sweet Sweet Perry. Yeah, whatever you want to call me, that's me. <laughs> this film stars Michelle Yeoh as Evelyn Wang, Stephanie Su as Joy Wang, Jamie Lee Curtis as Deirdre, and Kei Hu Kwan as Waymond. Uh, it is quite a film. Uh, it is written and directed by the Daniels, directing duo Dan Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. And uh, what a what a wild movie! What a carnival ride of a film, um, in a very fun way. What did you guys think? I never thought I would say that with your description, but that's an understatement. <laughs> My senses were blown out of the water. In fact, so much so I just got to the point where I couldn't believe or trust anything or what in the world's going on before me. But I'm really glad I stuck with it. It, it was a really really cool movie. Yeah. Yeah. I there's nothing that I can think of that is like this movie. Um when I talk about like carnival ride visuals, I think a little bit of some of Edgar Wright's stuff, hmm. but it is like nowhere near in comparison with the amount of editing techniques and different things they have going in this movie. Um Mel Perry, I just want to say that there is no moment in this movie that was better or that, that I enjoyed more than the exact moment when I found out that Waymond is the adult version of data from the Goonies, <laughs> the, the same, the same actor. Yes. Cause yeah. the Goonies is like, I mean, we did the Goonies on this yeah. podcast yeah. and one of my favorite eighties movies. And the moment when I found that out, I was like, that's awesome. Anyway, <laughs> Yeah, it's his triumphant return to acting. It's been like 30 years since he's done anything. Um, he actually, it's crazy. He got, he really wanted this role. He hired voice actors, physical art, not actors. He f hired coaches for like all the different aspects of acting and like really worked on the character for the audition and then was in the movie and, and you know, filmed it. And then between this movie and when it came out, he auditioned for like, five different things and like didn't get a call back on anything mm. um so it's awesome that i mean i love his performance in this movie it is so good his every, i mean everything about this movie i love i'm I'm gonna try to not talk about acting coaches for everyone because that seems like not very thematical yeah i um i enjoyed this as well it's very like it 
just super unique. Like I've never seen anything quite like it. Um, but yeah, I agree, Derek. I think, um, obviously, um, Evelyn's character, like the actress did a great job in like, she was the main character, but I think the actor who played Waymond, his different selves were a lot more different from each other than hers were. Oh, yeah. And so mm-hmm. I think he like wore so many different hats. It, it actually reminds me of, um, if y'all have seen Orphan Black, um, where she, the actress in that plays like 12 or 15 different versions of herself in um they're all just vastly different and so it it just when people can do things like this it just blows me away like it's it's brilliant it's it's brilliant yeah it's it's just astounding yeah his different uh his different selves his squirrel self is the (laughs) default waymond i forget what the other animals were i think one of them was like a an eagle or something his i remember his talking about seeing something about his uh physical acting coach um helping him to figure out like each character by embodying different animals um which is just fun he also helped me appreciate the fanny pack i've made fun of the fanny <laughs> pack for years but now i have to pause but whenever now you're I like man that fanny's on. badass oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah i love that is it's such a uh like eye-opening fight sequence where he becomes alpha waymond and fights with the fanny pack with the three guards and he's like annihilating them and then you have that moment where they're picking themselves up a little bit off the ground and he like reaches into a fish tank and drops yes. rocks into his fanny pack and it's like oh no and at the very end of the fight as he's still moving the fanny pack almost goes completely back on his waist and just yeah. like it he's just so masterful at that yeah it was incredible yeah it's this so this movie has got like crazy editing and stuff but also mm. just awesome martial arts throughout the piece <laughs> unexpected martial arts <laughs> yeah yeah i didn't really know what i was getting into when i went to watch it i just knew that people were raving about it um yeah i mean it, it won best picture didn't it or is or it's, maybe it's no nominated. it hasn't happened yet nominated. yeah yeah um, it should I, win. I would say i i had a a good overall experience but i think there is like a limit to what I can handle in terms of uh, just wildness in a movie. And I got there with about 40 minutes left. And and then those four, last 40 minutes just felt like I was just kind of observing. You know, I wasn't I wasn't in it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just kind of watching what was going to happen. Did you feel like the emotional aspects or like thematic bits didn't wrap you up as well maybe and that's why the last maybe, 40 minutes I, I i think i just was working so hard to stay like connected to what was going on and like understand what was going on and then at some point i was like okay i think i get this movie now but then there was still like it's a two hour 20 minute movie and it, you know felt like it didn't have to be that long but um i mean like it was still it, it honestly kind of felt like it was written by like Hayao Miyazaki's alter ego or something because <laughs> just the way that you have absolutely no idea where it's going next um I would say Miyazaki doesn't I mean this this movie kind of went into satire a little bit in some areas um with the hot dog fingers and stuff like that but uh and Miyazaki would never really 
I don't think indulge in that side of his. Uh, <laughs> Miyazaki doesn't want hot dog fingers in his movies. No, no but just in terms of the, the the fantasy, the randomness, total. I mean, randomness is a word that I think probably could describe a lot of this movie. Well, it's everything, you know. So mm-hmm. it's got a it's all in there. I think it's everything everywhere. All the all, all the same at time, the exact same time. Yep. <laughs> um. Theme wise, uh, I think I, I mentioned already family is a big theme. Um, the idea of like a midlife crisis, I think, is very clearly in there where we start. Michelle Yeoh, the main protagonist, is in that moment. We see immediately that her relationship with her husband and her daughter uh, both are not ideal and seem to need work. I don't think we realize how bad they are immediately, but we get there pretty quick. Um, what other themes did you guys kind of pick up on as we were starting the movie? Um, I think a big one for, especially for Evelyn's character is, um, how, how do you define failure and success? Um, cause like there's, there's the one point where, uh, Alpha Waymond is like, you are, the only person who can do this because you're so bad at everything. Like you've failed at everything <laughs> you've ever tried. So you, you are have, the worst version of yourself. <laughs> so you have so much room to grow, um, yeah. which is really interesting to me. Yeah. Should I give like a real kind of summary of what happens in the movie? Cause I don't think I did that. Um, I feel like if you haven't seen the movie, you shouldn't listen to this episode. Like just, you're going to be really lost. So if yeah. you want to, you can, but I would recommend if you haven't seen the movie to shut this off and go watch it. <laughs> go get the stars free trial. Yeah. Mm. But you can if you want. Oh, um, you know, if, if you have seen it, but not in a while, it's um, Michelle Yeoh um, as Evelyn. Her laundromat is being audited by the IRS. She is uh, an immigrant. Um her and her family, her husband, um, immigrants to America, having some trouble with the IRS. Um, the racial factor is there a little bit um, with miscommunication problems and different things. Um, and then there's also like some family dynamics that are a problem at the start of the film. Um, Michelle Yeoh's father is actually visiting um, from China where he is sort of having his own expectations of how things should be and be done. And we see Evelyn reacting to that. And then we see her spouse and her daughter kind of forced into that same scenario of having to respond to her in certain ways because she's the patriarch or matriarch of their family. Um, and we see it immediately hurting all of the actual relationships. Then throughout the film, as we go, we find out that there's this crazy um, monster in the Alphaverse, Jobu Tabaki. Um, who has to be stopped by this alternate version of her husband and he needs her help. And then we find out through a bunch of martial arts and Kung Fu and silly, crazy visuals and a whole lot that the monster is actually their daughter who in another universe, Evelyn um, has pushed too far essentially and too hard, which broke her mind, transforming her into this villainous character um and so thematically it's again it's family and like expecting too much of your children and pushing them 
too hard past the point that's good for them and ends up breaking them, which in a way you could say is less dramatically what happened with Evelyn and her father when he pushed her away um, back in the before the movie starts. So it's all about exploring those family ties throughout the film and lots of sweet kung fu fights and wild effects of one person who's basically has all the powers of the universe the daughter doing crazy costume changes and putting the entire universe on an on a bagel uh, on everything bagel with her you know report cards and dreams and hopes and traffic tickets and literally everything on this bagel that's basically a black hole to oblivion um and uh also it's a great metaphor for anxiety because it is everything everywhere all at once it's that idea of your mind being split and taken by all of these different factors all of the time and how hard it is to be present in the moment and actually concentrate on what's happening i think that's a decent summary and in the end it is happy so there's that yeah it's um there's a lot of different themes in here and I like how they show kind of what aren't themes by actually doing them. Their, their daughter in the the opening world is just kind of down and depressed and, you know, nothing's good. Um, you know, nihilism, um, kind of everything's bad. Um, that's not the answer. We've got fighting, a lot of incredible fighting, but the fighting doesn't solve anything. Um, we've got, we learn that optimism is kind of its own kind of fight. We, we learn later on that the dad has been, he's very optimistic and kind of is poo pooed earlier on. But then we see, Oh wow, that it's its own kind of fight. And kind of from that B story, she takes that learning and she now fights with kindness and love and how that is starting to turn everything around. And, um, yeah, we just learned that really it's the love, loving one another. It's those relationships and bonds that really are what's significant. And her actual situation doesn't change. We still still have to go to the IRS at the end of the film to, as we're still getting audited. Um, but her whole circumstances change is because her perspective on the the loved ones around her and the fact that they're actually with her there at the end it's it's beautiful definitely yeah i think waymond i definitely want to talk about more in a bit um but mel or perry was there anything you wanted to jump in with so yeah one of the things that stood out to me was like you said the idea of uh evelyn putting too much pressure on her daughter and not really realizing it and and then it just creates this kind of disconnect between mother and daughter. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that can be super relevant um, for make, make this movie something that connects with a lot of people um, mm-hmm. by this idea of feeling disconnected or not understood uh, by their parents, whether it's generationally, whether it's expectationally. Um, yeah, just I think that's something that's super relatable. Yeah. Definitely. I absolutely love at the ending when um, it is the whole family working together um, because we see ultimately that um, because of the, uh, I think there's, there's a couple terms for it, like inherited loss or generational sin, this idea of 
something that um, is perhaps trauma oriented or some sort of ill uh, advised thing that happened in their youth or way they were raised as these negative consequences then can carry throughout the generations of that person as they have children and then grandkids. And it's like this, this sin or this problem is essentially passed down through the bloodline by being taught by the people who have experienced it and don't see through it or a way out of it. Um, so I, I think that in, in the, I think the Chinese family is a great choice for exploring that because it's more visible and um, some Chinese families are known for being very traditional. Um, and so I love how at the end of the film, it takes the grandpa, the, the, the mom, the husband, all working together to save the daughter who is ultimately um, her existence is so painful in the world that she wants to end it, um, which in the context of the film, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and it takes the whole family coming together to overcome this generational sin that she's inherited the brute of and, and to pull her back and kind of save her and bring her back. And as Paul mentioned, it's all done through love. Um, that is the big conquering force that is able to overpower this. It's learning to fight like Wayman does. Um, he talks about how, you know, Evelyn doesn't really take him seriously. A lot of the times she thinks that he's goofy or, um, you know, a joke. But at one point we actually see him talking about it. And it's like the kindness um, that I approach the world with is strategic and necessary um, because it's the kind of thing that we need to make the world a better place. Um, and he doesn't want people to fight like physically. He encourages Evelyn to fight with kindness. And it's at the end, like Paul mentioned, when she is actually just going around and, you know, giving a cookie to the person who really wants one um, and giving a hug to somebody who really needs it and actually fulfilling those like deep needs that they have fighting with kindness to satisfy them is what stops um, the actual fight. It's like the idea of, you know, if, if you have a revolution, um, the best way to to uh, actually make that happen is when the soldiers come to stop you, you go, hey, you guys need something too. Like, it's not just us. And then like, oh, you're right. We shouldn't do this thing, maybe because we have these needs that could be met. Um, revolution's probably not a great example, but... Um, yeah, it's like when there's a problem and you can share that with people and, and help them to fix it instead of just perpetuating violence because there's an issue. It's it's so so different. And I just love I love that moment in the I love the whole movie. I could talk about it by myself for an hour. <laughs> but I'm glad you guys are here. Yeah, I think <laughs> that point about like generational trauma is super interesting. Um and it obviously on the surface, this movie is just like, you know, all over the place and, and super chaotic, but also it's it's really, really deep um, in a lot of different directions. And one thing that struck me was when Joy slash Jobu Tabaki, um, Evelyn asks her, like, well, you found me. Why haven't you killed me yet? Because she assumed that she was looking for this version of her mom to kill her um and she said well i i wasn't looking to kill you i was just looking for someone to see what i can see and as the first member of the family who was born in the united states 
and kind of has a different perspective Mm -hmm. on you know the way that their family kind of treats each other and and approaches things he's like no one understands my point of view and that that's what she was looking for it was just she wanted to expose her mom to to all these things that that she understood and and no one else in her family could see why she was hurting um and so i think that's that's really interesting like this idea of perspective and and kind of trying to see things through other people's eyes um and try to understand why they are the way that they are. In getting ready for this podcast, I, I found this quote. I don't know who re- who wrote it. I think it's from Screen Rant. But Joy, which is a great name for this character that's so depressed and breaking away from the family and the complete opposite of Joy. Joy, feeling like she couldn't live up to her mother's expectation, breaks down. And it's only then that Evelyn, the mom, realizes that if nothing else, the relationship she has with her daughter, as tension-filled and complicated as it may be, matters more than anything else. It's when she realized that her daughter mattered more than anything else. And in the mm-hmm. film, like she was willing to die for her daughter. Um, she had people around saying, don't do this, don't do this. You know, This isn't how you're going to win. And she goes, I don't care. This is my daughter. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh-huh. I think and I think just about any parent can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. I I cried. I I bawled oh, yeah. during this movie. It really like Paul was talking about that uh before we started recording the rock scene where we're getting at Joy is showing Evelyn kind of what this existence is like and how painful it is. Um and there's this moment where everything drops away because they're two rocks in a universe where life never developed and it's just quiet and when they speak um instead of speaking it's captions and they just have this conversation um through this stillness and quiet and it really just sits with you while you're watching it and it's the first time that uh mom makes like a joke that uh, the daughter laughs at it's like feels like their first moment of actually starting to connect Mm -hmm. it's really uh beautiful what a yeah. metaphor for the relationship on a planet where life doesn't exist. <laughs> There's no relationship that exists. Yeah. Yeah. It's and like then, they had to cut through all the noise and just like sit and listen to each other in order to, to have that moment of connection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing that I think is really interesting um, is the universe in which Evelyn is a famous movie star um and she never ran off with wayland waymond um and he but then they run into each other at a movie premiere and you know they have this moment um he says something when after she like rejects him again because she's like this life is the best life i'm a movie star like i have everything and if i had come away with you we would just be like she tells him like what their life is like in this other universe. And he says in another life, I would have loved just doing laundry and taxes with you. Um, yeah. And that we, we pity him. He, yeah. cause we can see there's like, he didn't have this huge important thing, even though he's successful. Like he's sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're both hugely successful. He's like a, a super rich CEO and she's a literally like one of the most famous movie stars in the world. And... She's Michelle Yeoh in real life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and like they're both hugely successful and they're, there's just something missing. And I think, I guess that kind of just goes back to the thing I was talking about before with like, what is failure? What is success? Like what, what does it mean to be successful? What, what's important in life really, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cause that's kind of one of the things, themes of the film is like, that nothing really matters um and there's actually uh i wonder if i can find it um there's like a moment where she's like you know if the daughter's talking about like if nothing really happens and nothing really matters then all like the disappointments and rejections and all the guilt you feel about doing nothing with your life goes away um and I thought that was really interesting um, and definitely a, I love how this movie puts forth such a strong um, view on life, I guess you could say. Like a lot of times movies will kind of put forth, here's one thing that's important, but this is kind of like um, in a way in capturing an entire viewpoint um, and then at the end giving us kind of a um, a thing that does matter in this world where you know, everything's the way it is and random and nothing has true meaning. Um, and, you know, no matter what your beliefs are or opinions about the world, I think at least the kind of answer they give at the end is something that everyone can agree is really important and something that we should all work towards. And that is uh, being kind. Um, and I love the quote that Waymond gives uh, at the end um, when he's trying to convince everyone to stop fighting. The only thing I do know is that we have to be kind. Please be kind, especially when we don't know what's going on. Uh, I think if if be kind when you don't know what's going on was something in a lot of people's brains, there would be so much less sadness in the world. Um, honestly, so much less hate. It's this kind of movie that really needs uh, a podcast like this to break it down because <laughs> like <laughs> yes, all these things can get lost in the hot dog fingers and rock universes and Jobu Tabakis, everything bagels, all that jazz. Uh, but yeah, y'all did a really good job of like breaking down some of these themes. And yeah, before we jump into questions, there's one more comment I wanted to make um, and that's just on... Waymond as a character um we've talked about how great he is um but it's also a uh like in the world of cinema a triumph to have a um character who seems like a beta male at first which is like a trope that we get a lot who actually turns out to be one of the strongest people in the film who he doesn't actually change at all throughout the film like he stays entirely the same but because our viewpoint shifts so much, we go from thinking he's kind of a joke to being like, wow, this guy's really putting in a lot of hard work and really trying and it's doing some Lasso great things. It's the Ted Lasso effect. Kind it's of. the Ted Lasso yeah. effect. Yeah. Yeah. It's, he makes it's everyone great. else kinder and more loving, but just by being himself and not changing. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's also especially great from a cinema standpoint of the Asian male gets stereotyped as the beta male really often. So it's, it's satisfying on a bunch of different levels to kind of deconstruct beta male with somebody who gets stereotyped as it all the time. Yeah. And that's really interesting. I never, I didn't pick up on that, but 
when you bring that up, it's interesting that they literally called him Alpha Waymond, like to mm-hmm. kind of play on that. <laughs> yeah. Which is questions. Let's ask him. You guys go first. Okay. Well, I'll go first because mine has probably the least. Uh, I mean, it's just the most surface level, probably. I would say, uh, does your life ever feel random? And what, like, do, do you ever feel like everything that goes on is just randomness? Or, uh, you know, do you think there's uh, some other picture that is being unveiled? I feel like I've got a hundred thousand questions. So I, I, yeah. if I was sitting there with someone I was really trying to get to know, I would love to hear them describe some alternative universes for themselves. Just, just to hear their dreams and aspirations. Yeah. Like what I think for me, I wanted to be the first man on Mars. Yeah. You know, I wanted to be this great filmmaker. I wanted to be a, this really good artist. I, I wanted to be a, you know, a loving father like all these different things I kind of aspire to. So that is kind of one, but another one too is like, and this is super deep, but yeah, with joy, like there are several times in my life where I'm like, yeah, why does this even matter? Why, why, why push on? Like, what's the point of all this? When my wife and I watched this film, we saw it in theaters and so naturally we wanted to talk about it right away and first we just cried for a while um because it was so sad and poetic and beautiful um and i think we just jumped in right away talking about the idea of inherited trauma and those kind of things um and i think pretty much no matter who you're with like i know that i could talk about like i feel like there are some things that you know, my wife and I have inherited through like our, our situations or families or, um, you know, different worldviews and things that we've had like a hard time reconciling with and adjusting or changing, um, because they were really affecting us negatively. And I think everybody has those, honestly, like I can't imagine someone not being in that situation, no matter how incredible their parents are or aren't are. Um, so I think I would just ask, like, do you ever feel like something like that is happening in your life and probably share you know one of mine or something first so thinking on the failures and success thing um was there ever something in your life that at the time felt like a huge failure but then later you realized there was some benefits to it or it turned out to be a success or lead you to success in something else um like talk about the doors that closed that opened other doors kind of thing a um, little trivia for the film that all of the VFX in this film were done by nine people, including the two directors, with the majority of it being done by five people. Nobody on the VFX team went to school for that. They just were friends and taught themselves with tutorials they found online. Wow. Yeah, that's like, as a filmmaker, so inspiring and also so paralyzing of like, so why can't I do that? How, how have I not done that? If you've stayed with us for this abnormally long episode, thank you, and we hope you really enjoyed and got a lot of uh, got a lot of cool themes from this film. And go watch it again because you're gonna now recognize two or three more times, about. and then watch it once without sound just to really soak it all in. <laughs> it's my suggestion. Anyways, 
thanks for watching this week. Uh, thanks for watching Bonding with Films. See you next time. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. <laughs> Bye.